If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, we'll be reading the entire chapter. 1 Peter 5, would you give ear to the reading of God's word? The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd of the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor has been as being lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon elect together with you, greets you, and does so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as we open your word. We come to you, the commander of the host of heaven, We know as believers we are soldiers in your army and thus outfitted with all we need to stand fast against your enemies. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to abolish, demolish strongholds. Grant to us as we come to your word this morning every weapon we will need to pull down the strong towers of the powers and principalities of this world. Lead us into battle and give us victory that we might praise you as our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name, amen. Peter, in writing this epistle, speaks with passion, passion about the victory Christians obtain over suffering in their lives. He started with praise to God for his mercy. God gave mercy to believers through Christ and the promises he made in Christ. Peter praises God. Praises God for his wonderful providential watch care. For he is to watch his for his watch care and perseverance is to be with all who trust in Christ alone, because that brings us salvation. He talked about the suffering that takes all believers through trials, strengthening their belief, and bringing them to this wonderful place of eternal rest in Jesus Christ. The apostle talked about the need for holy living, and that This was God's divine plan for mankind. This is what he had planned from the very beginning. We were to be his children. We were to live for him. 
Inclusive in this plan was the requirement for believers to live their lives in a way that would bring great esteem and honor to their God. They are required to show reverential fear to God. They do that through the glorious redemption provided them in Christ Jesus. They listen to the revelation of God's glory given them through the prophets and his son. Thus, they live their lives in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter laid out how you could live your life in such a way. You do it by loving one another, obeying God's word, studying and knowing the gospel, and holding on to it in the face of any and all opposition. Are you ready to do that? Is God working in your heart to draw you to that? To give you this desire to love him and to tell others about him? You know, I tell you, witnessing's not hard. You don't need to be a theologian to witness. All you need is to tell people what Jesus Christ means to you, what he has done in your life. This requires that you experientially apply your salvation. You do it by laying aside evil, by desiring God's word, and tasting the fruits of faith. Peter then pointed out that every believer must, without exception, come to the living stone, Jesus Christ. In coming to this stone, he showed that you will also become a living stone yourself. This made it necessary to show the importance of belief in the Christian system. That there is a purpose, a purpose behind belief, a purpose to bring you into a personal relationship with God. The results of belief will be eternal life with Christ in heaven. Also, it was necessary to show that the duty to believe rested squarely on the shoulders of each and every person. That's what you're called to do, to believe. In Jesus Christ as the one sent from the Father who lived a perfect life, died the atoning death, and won the resurrection victory. You must hear, you must believe in this gospel message or there is no salvation. After laying down the foundation for the Christian life, Peter turned to the duties of such a life. The first and most important was the requirement to submit to all authorities instituted by God. Now, in our day and time, that can be hard to do. But we as Christians are supposed to do it. No one can claim to be a true believer without the, as this attitude of submission. The idea behind submission is one of complete and total dependence on God for your salvation. He places you where he wants you to be. He calls you on you to submit to what he is doing in your life. Peter shows this concept through the husband-wife relationship and makes it clear that harmony cannot be attained with God or with other men without a proper attitude of submission. The apostle also shows how suffering goes hand-in-hand hand with the idea of submission. As you submit, you will also encounter suffering. It is God's will that those who believe in him should join with Christ in his suffering. This suffering molds you into the image of Jesus Christ and prepares you for his coming glory. We come now to the last chapter of 1 Peter. In this chapter, Peter concludes with a call to elders to take up their duties. He appeals to young people to remember this teaching on submission, 
to work at self-control, to work at perseverance. He next gives the promise that accompanies a life of submission and suffering. Last, he adds a farewell to his readers. Peter begins in this chapter with a call to the elders of the church to whom he writes. He calls to these men serving in the office of elder in positions of spiritual leadership in the church just as he himself holds. 1 Peter 5.1 The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Peter gives some of his qualifications here. He is a witness of Christ's suffering. He was with Christ through his earthly ministry. Peter was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there during the trial of Christ before the high priest. He was around when Christ was crucified, although we're not sure he was actually at the crucifixion. He was there at the resurrection and ascension. He, was all, he saw all of these things with his own eyes. He is a witness of the whole ministry of Jesus Christ. Peter says he will also share in the glory that will be revealed. This is a direct reference to what he has already told them. That those who suffer with Christ will be with him where he is in his glory when it is revealed. Peter clearly places himself in this group. He uses his qualifications as an elder to base these words of encouragement. So Peter lays out for these men the duty that is before them. 1 Peter 5 verses 2 and 3. Shepherd of the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. The call. The call is to oversee. To keep safe the flock God has given them. The overseer, bishop, and elder are all one in the same office. They're not a bunch of different offices. These are men called by God to serve his body and to be their spiritual leaders. We as Christians, we have have no need of an earthly priest because we have the one true priest, Jesus Christ. Your pastor, your ruling elders are not priests in the sense they stand between you and God. Jesus Christ is your high priest. He alone stands between you and God. God, in his wise understanding of men, New men would need leaders, so he ordained the offices of pastor and elder. Peter says these men are to lead the church, and very importantly, they must do it with a willing heart. No man, no man should ever begrudgingly accept the office of elder. He should never be coerced into such an office, for the elder is to serve willingly, taking great joy in holding the office and in serving through it. He goes on to say these men must not be greedy for money or anything else of this world. You must understand it's not wrong for a church to pay their pastor. In fact, they are under obligation to see he does not have financial struggles. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elder who rules well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. He goes on in verse 18 to explain what the scriptures teach. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox 
while it treads out the grain and the labor is worthy of his wages. But he wants all elders to understand that when they become consumed with the things of this world, they cannot be good leaders of the church. That does not mean if you're an elder with a business that you should stop seeing to the concerns of your business. He means you must keep your priorities right between the church and the world. He also warns them not to become tyrants. And boy, is that an easy thing to become when you get a little authority. An elder must never have the attitude, I'm the elder, you members are to keep your mouth shut and listen to me. The office of elder is an office of service. The most important duty apart from preaching and teaching is that of being an example. Elders are to work extra hard at living this Christian life. It's a hard call to take on. And it is the fact it's hard that makes it so very, very important that men desire this office and accept it willingly, not by coercion. They come to it because God has put it on their heart to be an elder. Peter says it is a hard office and requires great effort and willingness to do it right. But he also says there is a great reward for those who give it their best effort. 1 Peter 5, 4 says, And when the chief priest appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Listen closely. This reward belongs to everyone. Everyone who takes hold of the truth of Jesus Christ and places their trust in him and in him alone for their salvation. But Peter, holding the office of elder, understands the pressure understands the constant self-searching that goes on in the hearts of these men. Therefore, he reminds and encourages them that they shall be the recipients of this glorious reward of receiving the crown of glory. He stresses it is a glory that will never fade away. It is an eternal glory. Just as Peter calls the elders of the church, he also speaks here to the young people and he makes an appeal to them. The elders he is referring to here are elders of age. He calls for young, all young people to give these elders respect. Peter speaks to these young people. He especially speaks to those who are grown but are in still need of maturing. 1 Peter 5.5 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This addresses young people. It's not uncommon that young people come to the point in their lives where they realize they can do things, they can accomplish things through their lives. In other words, they're maturing, they're waking up. But it's so easy for young people to get caught up in themselves to start doubting their parents, their teachers, and all this other stuff, and trying to figure it out on their own. They then fail to listen to the older and wiser than themselves. But in time, in time they will see the wisdom of those who went before. He calls them to live continually in submission to their elders. He reminds them of the respect they owe their elders. It takes time to put knowledge and wisdom together. 
And I think most of us are at the age we can really understand that. Peter tells them, be clothed with humility. Recognize that those who are older have been through a lot more than you have. Knowledge without wisdom leads to pride. So he adds, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He calls these young people to be patient and listen to those who are older. He puts this together with one other piece of advice. Verse 6. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. This refers back to, to Peter's teaching on submission. The call was to submit to all authority placed over you by God. It requires a humble heart to submit. The old, the old nature does not want to submit to anyone. Peter knows all too well the dangers this can cause in young minds and hearts, and he wants the young people of the church to work hard to avoid this trap. The way you avoid it is through recognition of God's sovereign power and authority as it is exercised through those he places in authority over you. He says in verse 7, If you are having trouble with this, then you need to be casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. My young friends, please remember this. Each generation gets its chance to lead. You will not be passed by and forgotten. The day is coming when the generation over you will be gone and the fate of the gospel will be in your hands. Take the concerns you have and lay them at the feet of God. He will hear your concerns. He will work them out to the best interest of his glory and to you as one he loves. What God is doing in your life right now is preparing you to stand up for the gospel. He is preparing you to be the witness to the next generation. Understand, the gospel will not reach the next generation without the generation before it telling them about it. The generation before you is living out the witness of the generation before it. You need to be quiet. You need to listen while you have their witness. Because it's that witness that will guide you when you become mature. Therefore, Peter says in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You cannot learn. You cannot grow in your understanding. Unless you practice self-control and keep your mind alert. Self-control is so very important. And I'm really concerned that in our day so few young people are hearing that message. Please listen to these words. The flesh wants you to think it needs to be gratified. It wants you to think you've got to do everything you can to gratify it wants you to think nothing should stop you from meeting the flesh's every whim. That's not true. You, especially as a believer, must bring the flesh under the control of the Spirit. You must teach it to follow God's commands and to listen to the Holy Spirit. Peter says this is important. It's important because the enemy of all believers stands ready to attack and devour. He wants to destroy you. 
He says, your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If the devil can get you to start trying to, to please the flesh, he will hold on like a lion unwilling to give up its prey. He gets his teeth in and he ain't going to let go. The best defense against this is to never let him get a hold of you. Start with. How do you keep him off? 1 Peter 5.9 Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your broken brotherhood in the world. Resist him. Don't listen to him. In our world, it is so hard to avoid the offers he makes. It comes at you in everything you do. Pick up any magazine. The ads, the articles, all cry out to you to indulge your flesh. Turn on the TV or radio. Many of the programs and ads are the works of Satan. They're seeking to catch you off guard. Movies are another very dangerous area he uses to try and hook young people with false philosophies. Then there are computers. One of the really great inventions of the day to help us with our work. Yet, they are also being used by the devil to deceive you. You must use them with great, great care. Peter says you can defeat Satan. He says you must be steadfast in faith. You must study to know the scripture, what the scriptures teach. You must grow in your understanding of the gospel. Then you must listen to those who are older and wiser. Let them guide you. Let them help you. You don't have to throw your TV or your computer away. You don't have to do, as some suggest, and give up everything in the world. It's not necessary that you do that to be able to resist the devil. God has given you everything in this world to meet your needs, and that means the computer is one of those things. Use them, but use them wisely. But you must get your priorities straight so you know what the devil's traps look like. Peter then gives some encouragement in verse 9. He says, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Here's where knowing the Bible and what it teaches helps you a great deal. You know that these temptations are common to all men. And that every other Christian young person and every other Christian, older Christian knows these temptations intimately. We've all been through them. Not a single person here has escaped them. They have gone through the same battles that you're going through. Yes, you are not alone in this. And I think that gives us great hope to know that others understand. Those who have gone before can help you. If they could fight the good fight, then why can't you? Listen to Peter. Humble yourself. Wait patiently on God to do his work in you. And while you wait, stand firm in the faith and resist the devil. If you do this, the rewards will be great and his glory will fill your heart and life and he will use you greatly in the lives of those who will come after you. And isn't that what we want for our children and our grandchildren? Peter gives a promise to all, but especially to the young people he's speaking to. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, 
uh, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now Peter, in this benediction, says that the God of all grace, the God who is the only living and true God, is the only one who can save a people unto himself. This is the God who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. This calling is not an invitation. It's in the sense that it is made so that you can easily respond to it. It is a divine summons. You hear that? It's a divine summons. God calling you. It is a summons to come through Jesus Christ to the Father. Remember John 6, 44? Christ said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. In being brought to Christ, you're summoned to the very throne of God. To the one who is full of grace. To the God who calls all who come to him through Jesus Christ into eternal glory. In coming into Christ, you're brought into a struggle against the enemies of God. You are placed in a battle with sin, Satan, and death. In this battle, you will suffer. It is not easy to live this Christian life. Don't we all know that? It is a war. And you are in the front lines and in harm's way continually. But take heart. For every battle you fight will only make you stronger in your faith giving you the strength to continue standing firm and being steadfast. This promise is made by the very one who has all power and to whom all glory belongs. You can take it and you can hold to it with great hope and joy. I think to anyone who is even just maybe a casual observer, this letter has to come across as coming from the heart of a man truly concerned about the spiritual welfare of those to whom he writes. In these last few verses, Peter speaks words of farewell to a people he loves. You know, too many times today, we hear people preach these, these epistles which are meant to point you to Jesus Christ and to show you why you need Christ. But they leave out the why. We need the why. Why do we need Christ? Because we're sinners. And we cannot overcome our sin on our own. Only in Jesus Christ can we find the salvation that we need. Peter concludes with an acknowledgement here. 1 Peter 5.12 By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. He said he, helped, he had help in writing this letter from a man named Silvanius or Silas, as some translations have it. Peter says Silas was a faithful brother. Who is this Silas? Is he the same person that accompanied Paul on his second missionary journey? Nobody really knows. But many commentators believe he is the same person. And there's nothing available to, to, to us to deny that. As to Peter's purpose in writing this letter, he says, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Peter wants his readers to know 
He wants them to know that the grace of God has been given them in the name of Jesus Christ as the true gospel. That Jesus Christ came into this world. He came to live the perfect life, die the atoning death, and win the resurrection victory. All of which you need in order to be saved. He wants them to understand that without complete and total dependence on Christ and his works, salvation is not possible. Yes, even in the face of trials and tribulations, this gospel can be trusted and completely relied on. No, this Christian life is not easy to live out. But there is a great and glorious reward awaiting all who hold fast and do not waver. He encourages them to stand. Here is the real message of all who are in Jesus Christ. You are called by the Father to come to Jesus Christ. You are brought to Christ to the Father and your salvation is secured for you by his work. Your responsibility is very simple. Stand in the grace of God. Hold to the truth revealed to you from God's word and don't allow anything to turn you away. Peter then gives a few final words here. 1 Peter 5.13 She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does, my, so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. He brings greetings from those in Babylon where he was as he wrote this letter. He refers to the church as she. He says those in Babylon that are saved and were called by God as you were, send their greetings. These are the elect of whom he speaks. He, is, he also mentions Mark. Now you may remember Mark. Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the cousin of Barnabas. And the one who deserted Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Uh, it was over his accompanying them on the second journey that caused Barnabas and Paul to split up. Paul later made up with John Mark. Mark served Paul well while he was in prison at Rome. Peter is understood to be the one who took a young Mark, a somewhat unstable John Mark, under his wing and helped him to mature and become a strong servant of Christ. Thus he refers to Mark as his son, just as Paul refers to Timothy as his. Peter then adds to verse, in verse 14, Greet one another with a kiss of love. The kiss in the Eastern culture was the proper way to, to show a friendly greeting and a loving farewell. The idea is that you show a warm and respectful acceptance of those who are in the brotherhood with you. Now you may remember in Luke 7 verses 44 through 46 that Simon the Pharisee, he didn't show Jesus the proper respect. He refused to greet him with a kiss. Peter wants all believers to show the proper love and respect for one another. He, calls the, he backs this call up with his final words. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. He shows by example how you are to greet and part from one another, offering the peace that comes only in Jesus Christ. In conclusion, we find this letter to be a strong presentation of the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God sent into this world his only begotten son. He sent him to show a lost and dying world what true love really was. Jesus came in after living the perfect life on behalf of his people because they could never live such a life themselves. 
It was required by the Father for them to be reconciled. So Jesus offered his life on Calvary's cross as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of his people. He voluntarily went to his death to save them from their sin. Because of his perfect life, death could not hold him. He won a great victory over death, Satan, and sin. In that death, he freed all who would hear and believe on him from the curse placed on man because of Adam's sin. This is the gospel proclaimed by Peter. To be a part of this wonderful good news, you need but hear this message and believe and trust in Jesus Christ. If you will put aside trust in anything but Christ and his works, if you will stand firm in the understanding that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, you will be able to rest, rest in great assurance that you will be part of his glory when he is revealed on that last day. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful Father, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You sent Jesus into this world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He came and lived the perfect life we could never live. He died on Calvary's cross as an atonement for our sins. He went into the grave for three days to complete for us a victory we could never have won on our own. He and he alone is our Savior, and we stand only in him. Hear our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.